coming up on Man Enough. So Travis is single, and this is his dog, Karen. They talk about the fact that I'm single all the time. They bring it up constantly. Oh, wait. Yeah. So are you wait. both? Yeah, there was Are that. you both single? So, oh, oops. Oops, Jamie. Are you guys setting us so, up for something? All right. Let's turn this into a date. I've seen you on Raya before. You have? Yeah. Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Justin back. Justin is having an aneurysm. Wait. <laughs> have I not? Why haven't I seen you on Raya? I don't know. Do I fit in your age range? <laughs> why are you guys leaning back what like that? Being man enough, what does that mean? It's really manly to mess up, admit you're wrong, and then grow. I couldn't accept that I was evil, so maybe I'm broken, but those broken things could be corrected. Intimacy between a father and a son is me just wanting to like put my head in your lap. I love you, son. You haven't called me a benevolent sexist, but my experience is women are better. Even if it's a positive, it's still not equality. I don't blame men for that. I just blame the system. This is Man Enough. Are you um, back or do you still need to, do you, do you remember how to bring us into <laughs> the episode or would you like, that's a serious question. Hey everybody and welcome to Man Enough. I'm keeping that in the show because I want everyone to know the way that Jamie speaks to me. <laughs> um, welcome to Man Enough. You're welcome. Hey, Jamie, what do we do on this show? What we do is we actually um, call each other in. And Was that I calling each other in? Yeah, because what I know about you is yeah. your capacity and uh, your ability to gather and inspire people. So I wanted you to be your best self in bringing our audience in. Hi, Liz. Hey. Hold on. Liz is here. There's actually- I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> this I want everyone to get along. This is, no, we are just having some banter fun. Um, thank you for bringing us in so well, Justin. You did that so good, especially after the long absence. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it's good to have you back, isn't it, Liz? Um, it is. <laughs> How are you, Liz? I'm feeling good. I feel like, you know, when I was little, um, when you see dogs fight, but they're just playing. Yeah. And then as a kid, you're like, oh my God, they're fighting. And then you learn, like, oh, that's just how dogs uh, play. That's right. how I feel right now. I'm like, oh my God, they're fighting. I'm like, no, that's just how oh, uh, no, boys play. That's, that's the, got it. Um, like when the, like their teeth are out and you feel like they're actually yes. going to pierce the skin, but yes. they don't. And then you learn, like, oh, no, no, that's not a dangerous And you know what's threat. interesting, Liz, is we have had some comments in the past because Justin and I banter sometimes uh -huh. and there was like this uh, I can't remember what episode but somebody had <laughs> I said think like, I remember that um, you know I don't like it when Justin and Jamie pick on each other you guys are or like that's a bad example of healthy masculinity of healthy, something yeah. of that nature and um, we didn't address that but I will just say to those listeners um, Justin and I love each other very much um, yeah. we support each other in so many ways and we have some fun with each other so if that's uncomfortable for you um, lovingly change this. <laughs> <laughs> lovingly, change this lovingly find yes. a new podcast. <laughs> and I would, I want women to roast each other more. That's like something I want women. I think women have a lot to learn from men, and you know, men have a lot to learn from women. Right. And I do like the way that men roast each other, they like playfully play roast each yes. other. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, a lot of women do, but it's not as um, I think standard. Yeah, for women to be like. So we oh. have a we have a guest today. <laughs> That we clearly do. Liz really wants to introduce because she's got the she's like paper. ready to go. She's like ready she's to like go. Ready. She wants to jump into this one. But this isn't just any guest. It's not. Uh, this this is one of my best friends, and this is literally was the best man at my wedding. Mm. Why wasn't I your best man at the wedding? Yeah, I was wondering the same. Was that? You know, it's funny that I I, th I thought about this today. If it were today, uh -huh. you would have both been my best man. Travis and I had already been friends for ten years. Yeah, yeah, of course. Travis, who? Liz, yeah. who, oh, who do we have? Travis. Oh, yeah, who's here? 
Who's here, by Van the way? Van Winkle Travis is an Van actor Winkle. best known for his work in the TV series You and feature films like Transformers, Friday mm. the 13th, Accepted, and most recently for playing Alden in the action comedy series Fubar. Um, and when he's not on screen um, slaying, I added that. That wasn't in the, that wasn't in the read. Uh, <laughs> Travis uh, spends a lot of his time giving back to his community <laughs> as a board member and mentor for the organization Big Brothers, Big Sisters, L.A. So we're really excited to have you on. Finally, Travis. Whoa. <laughs> yes. What an introduction. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. Also, and the last ship. You were on the last ship for a long time, too. The last, last ship. ship. Yeah. You were. Yep, yep. Travis and I met yep. 20 years ago in acting class. We did. Oh. We did. Justin was a really good proposer. That uh, didn't change. Yeah, we had a scene where we all had to propose. And I remember sitting there like, God, this guy's good at proposing. Yeah, not good at acting, but just the, the acting wasn't the great. But the proposing, proposing was, was like really he was good. in it. Wow. And then, you know, flash forward, had a pretty epic proposal. Epic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No way. Well, as we bring you on, Travis, I just want to introduce a personal um, observation. You are a man that is constantly trying to do good for the planet, for people, for others. You're super generous in giving of your time and your heart, you are always a work in progress. And I say that with such admiration because you do and have um, opened up with so many around you about the work that you do, just on you as a man, as you as a boyfriend, as you as a son, as you as an, uh, an actor, as a big brother. Um, you, you are really, really a solid human um, that is also finding your way like we all are, you know, um, how to leave and make our mark. So it's really sweet to have you on, someone that we love so much, and also be able to share with others part of your journey that might help another. Um, so I want to just see you and acknowledge you and thank you for being here. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I appreciate it. And I was in your wedding too. You were. I was. You were indeed. Very much. Oh, um, God. Eat shit, left Jamie. Out. Eat shit. <laughs> what? What? Just, just like <sighs> starting with the sweetness. I thought oh. you were going to say something and then turn it and just stayed sweet. No, he, he stayed there and he needed to stay there because you guys have access to a deep place in my heart. And I think he wants to start off in a safe place so that I can, you know, really come and talk. So mm -hmm. I, I appreciate it. Indeed. Mm -hmm. um, now also, there's a, there's a special guest here too because Travis brought his sweet little dog. Oh, you did. Yeah, Karen's here. Oh, look at look at um, Karen. Do you guys want to see her? I mean, she's out. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's for sure. Okay. We don't. No, no. Let's oh, hi, Karen. Oh, oh hi. She's here. Oh, hey. Just bring Karen up. Yeah. You guys are talking hi. About her. We've um, never had a. So uh, had Travis a... is single, and this is his dog Karen, and they like long walks on the beach. Yeah. Okay, we definitely don't have to start the podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, you look you you look like the way you do, you beautiful man, and you have this dog. And I just thought that would be hilarious. They talk about the fact that I'm single all the time. They bring it up constantly. Oh wait, yeah. Are so you wait. both? Yeah, there was. Are that. you both single? So, oh, oops, oops, Jamie. Are you guys setting us up for something? An, oops. Is this, a, is this an invention? Uh, you know, we talk a lot about being single, and you know, Liz and dating, and you know, trap. You know, so I was like, Jamie and I really thought about this, and we're like, ooh, we should do a special episode. Um, no, I'm just joking. Okay. Your <laughs> eyes are about to pop out of your head. <laughs> as they should. Uh, you thought that this was about discussing about the work you've done, but really... This but we're not allowed to talk about the work that you've done because of the strike, so mm -hmm. really... Surprise! Talk about. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so tell me something about yourself, yeah. Liz. <laughs> All right, let's turn this into a date. Um, I love group dates, by the way. I think that more people should do... Uh, not that this is a this, but like you bringing, don't have to qualify it. I mean, it is what it is. Okay, bringing okay. people Just together, <laughs> I think, because 
there is a way I think to put pressure on people and to be like, you two should meet. And, you know, and there's a way to just kind of like fold it in. I think, I think matchmaking should be folded into, um, mm. life as opposed to like inserted into, I, I think it puts less pressure and then you just see how people mesh. It's much more yeah. organic and it's just yes. a very easy access point to meet someone in a real way. Yes. As opposed to having some idea, especially after seeing photos online right. in their bikinis mm-hmm. and then photos of them in their big highlights in their life. And then you right. meet them. There's this weird thing mm-hmm. that happens. It's just inorganic to my constitution. I don't, not to knock apps, yeah. But it has not been an organic process for me. I don't know how yeah. how you ex- I've seen you on Raya before. You have. Yeah. Oh. Oh my god. Yeah. Justin back. Justin is having an aneurysm. Wait, <laughs> have I not why have I seen you on Raya? I don't know. Do I fit in your age range? <laughs> Like that. Why are you going? Just for the record, I just want to make sure that our audience knows that this was like we were actually completely just bullshitting. And yet, um, please continue. Also, by the way, I've gotten off the apps. To me, it's it's oh not God, it's not you. a place that I find myself thriving. Yeah. And so I've just decided to let life kind of guide the way and and take a step back from okay. that. So why weren't the apps working for you? And then are you acting differently as a result of not being on the apps? I mean, honestly, I'm not feeling that open right now to like really putting myself out there. So I'm a bit more internal at the moment. Um, And I feel like the apps, it's, it's just nonstop. And it's, it's just, it over-sexualizes people and it puts you, it put me in a state where it just, it made that too front and center. And it, it takes away from when you just meet someone organically on the street and you have a nice moment with them. Or on a podcast. Or on a podcast. (laughs) To me, it just, it felt like it was um, pushing me down a certain lane that I I just have no interest in exploring. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it's also hard just dating in in general. There's not like a third thing. I think there should always be a third thing again. Um, You're going to see like a play or you're again at a party with a friend so that there's like other things going on. When it's just the two of you on a date, that's why, or even group dates I think are more fun. It's just that's all you have to talk about. Like you're just kind of, you end up kind of interviewing each other. It's not natural. It's that's not, not natural. How, that's not how we actually meet people exactly. in the world. And, and before, I think Me Too particularly, I think when it was more acceptable also to have kind of workplace romance and, and that's where a lot of people would meet at work. And I think it's still possible, but it's a little bit more complicated now. Um, you, you would meet someone once and you'd be like, oh, cool. Like, Dan's nice. Like, and then the second time, like, oh, Dan's kind of funny. Like, and then the third time, right? And then it builds, right? Attraction is not this thing that just kind of like occurs in a moment. It happens over time with proximity, with like, again, interacting in ways where Dan isn't auditioning to be my boyfriend, but Dan is just like in my vicinity and I'm seeing how he exists as a human. By the way, who's Dan? I'm jealous. Dan. <laughs> Dan. But but you're right. That gives you much more ground to actually yeah. have real moments with someone and not force anything and and you can't force these scenarios and i think the apps kind of put you in a place to go like here try this out let's 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 see if you work right out of the gate right and that's just not but you're not saying that um apps are not a good thing there are many people that they can work they can work for but for you yourself where you are my constitution has it it didn't serve uh, it didn't serve well. Do you think for men there's a thing, like particularly that it can be not suited for men for a certain reason or that they should watch out for things? I have opinions. Yeah. But I'm, I also have not been on the apps well, what's and your, been dating for a long time. What's I mean, your look, take? all of these apps are designed using random reward theory. Um, it's the same technology and science 
behind casino games and TikTok. And they are they are dopamine hits, right? So you are literally looking like we're primed as a species to find a mate, mm -hmm. right? So you are going, first of all, from the outside in. So speaking to se like sexualizing, um, you're looking for someone you find visually attractive. And what happens to our bodies when we find somebody visually attractive, right? Hormones are released, chemicals are released. And then you mix in the swiping, which is what you don't, you don't know what you're going to get next. Gamified. Right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we've, we've literally gamified the dating process. Mm -hmm. And so you swipe and then, ooh, I like what I see, but maybe there's something better. Right. And I read about this phenomenon in the, in the book that a um, specific psychologist that we know was talking about this phenomenon of, of swiping while you were with the person in your mind. And people are meeting people on the street and they're swiping on their heads. Mm. And then what happens is then you have paralysis of choice, which we know happens when you have too many options and the human brain can't handle all of the options. So if you have more than six they have discovered, then you suddenly have immediate regret for the decision that you made. Right. Because there's the worry that maybe there was a better option. As a man, men are much more driven by visual stimulation um, I think in general, like this is this is science. This is not just like me just saying this. And I don't think it's the healthiest thing in the world, right? Especially we have we have been dealing with porn, porn addictions, and and boys finding it at eight nine years old now. And now we're talking about dating. Now all that to say, my sister in law found her love of her life on there one of the go. dating apps, right. and it works yeah. for people. Right. You just have to know your own self, know your limits. And like, I love what you're doing, Travis. It's mm -hmm. like, that's not really working for me. It's not working for finding what I want in a partner. So I'm gonna take a step back. Mm -hmm. It was becoming a point of distraction. Like, that's right. what I felt. If I was in a moment where I was bored, yeah. well, let me go swipe through some people. Yeah. In a moment where I was feeling lonely, let's go swipe through some people. And it was just something that I was using to avoid. Like really. Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's like retail mm -hmm. therapy, sure. It's, I've it's, used Amazon for that. We, we, I think we <laughs> all have. You're listening to the Mad Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. Let's talk about Travis Van Winkle, the man. Hey, Travis. Hey. Um, when was the last time that you didn't feel enough? Today? Why? Life is tricky, guys. I don't know if you know this. No. Life, is, life is complicated. <laughs> is it complicated? Uh, and it's a lot. You know, I think, I think everyone's given a curriculum for their life. Everyone's given different wounding. It's not personal. It's their curriculum. So I know for me, my particular wounding is around like I'm wrong. I did something wrong. Like I messed up. And so for me, I think there are, throughout a day that'll come up and I'm like, wait a second. Like that's, that's actually not true. I have to check the facts. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Oh no, I actually did nothing wrong, but I'm very easy to want to think that I did. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, there's, there's moments that come up often where I like, I, I don't feel like I'm enough for something. I have to prove myself and I just have to check the facts. And that's usually what centers me. But I think all of us, like all of us have some kind of callous over our hearts. All of us do. And part of our journey to adulthood and to maturity is dissolving that callous. Like 
our shadow behavior is very much embedded in that callus. Mm-hmm. And all the work we do allows us to incorporate our shadow into our personality. And then hopefully our personality dissolves a little bit and we have access to our truest self. So for me, a lot of the work has been around that. Mm. And I know my one of my core wounds is like having this need to be like, oh my, did I do good? I, I'm not, I'm not wrong, right? And so it's mm. it's checking myself for that. So like even today, I'm like, oh, I have to go on this podcast. Damn. Probably gonna have to talk about some get, shit. Get to go. Get to go. I have to go on this podcast. <laughs> My friends succumbed me. And uh, so for me, it was like, oh, I don't know if I feel like I'm like articulate enough to share these things that have happened. Whatever the, whatever the story is, you're like, just shut up. Just shut up and show up. Mm. So like little moments like that, I think, mm. are very Thanks normal. Thanks for sharing, man. That's great. Travis, can huh? you share with us, give us a 75 second. It's a long time. Yeah. Or 60 seconds. I'm gonna, I'll, time it. I'll time it. I know. Time. Wow. Tell me who Travis is. We're in the elevator. You got 75 seconds. I have to give you an elevator pitch about who I am? Yeah, That's just, really mean, Jamie. No. We've I, never asked a guest to do that. I know it. And watch this. This is what we did the other day, and I've been doing it with people, and it's fi- quite fantastic. It's what actually comes really out of cool, it. but I'm just, I still think it's mean. Tell me about Travis in 75 seconds. Mm-hmm. Who is Travis? I can tell you this. I know that I am an incredibly kind and genuine person. I think being genuine is my superpower. Um, I know that I have uh, lived a life where my past has dictated my present a lot. And I've been a man on a journey and on a mission to gain access to my freedom. I know that I surround myself with incredible people with really beautiful souls. I'm a very creative, passionate, competitive um, intelligent weirdo. Um, and I really think I, I just want to belong in the best way. That's it. Oh, that was great. Mm. That's great. I I love hearing it. I love, it's really uncomfortable sometimes for us to express who we are, who we think we are and to say that. I love that. Mm. And then you say it and then you're like, Oh, it's not like you're not trying to prove it. It's not like you're not trying to convince anybody of something. This is just like, you know, who basically how I see myself. And in that, um, we get a little bit more glimpse of you that you yeah. may have not said anyways. Yeah, Otherwise. it's a good exercise. I didn't like it. I mean, if you were on, if you were on a dating profile, it would have been a great thing, but you're not. So, you know. Well, I, he kind of he kind of is actually. We've got Liz sitting over there. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, hold on. Just for all the audience the listeners who are just like, you, what is Jamie and Justin doing? Uh, we 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 ran this by Liz and told her we were going to joke about it earlier, and she was fine with it. Oh yeah, this is we, we didn't consent, run it by. We didn't run it by. We didn't run it by. We didn't run it by Travis. That That's true. Just he didn't consent. No, yeah, no, Travis didn't consent. consent. Speaking of single, during your free time, not your free time, you commit a lot of your time to being a big brother. Um, to Lyric mm-hmm. for the last how many years? I met Lyric when he was twelve. He turns twenty five in December. So you have been his big brother for all wow. this time. Why? Yeah. Why do you do that? Again, it's complicated. You know, I think there's a genuine place in my heart that wants to do good. And then the other side, I got involved with the Big Brother Big Sister program because I was in a dark place. I wasn't happy in my life. I wasn't happy in my career. And I had started to surround myself with some really great people that were um, really hell-bent on giving back and making a positive change in the world. And I had an acting teacher say, hey, get off yourself. Go, go be of service. And she had a student in her class that was Big Brother of the Year that year. 
And so she sent me to Big Brother Big Sister. And mm. it was an amazing experience because you have mentorship. Everyone has had a mentor. Everyone has had multiple mentors. And to be somebody's mentor, it makes you look at yourself differently and hold yourself accountable in a different way. Yeah. And it makes you start to think, huh, like this kid is very young and impressionable and has a lot of, he came, uh, he grew up in Florence, um, um, South Central LA, had a lot of opportunity for some negative stuff. So there was a lot of responsibility I felt to how can I guide him to, to avoid some of these pitfalls that might be present. And I didn't even know this when I joined the program, that there's evidence-based results that kids that go through the program, they behave better at home, they have a higher grade point average and will uh, more than likely graduate high school, they have higher self-confidence, and they're more likely to stay away from alcohol and drugs. They feel seen. And so that's been a big part of my healing through the process is seeing Lyric. Mm. Not judging Lyric for anything. And I created such a safe space for him to be able to express everything. That kid has cried on my shoulder so many times. And every time I thank him for it. And it's such a beautiful experience. It's taught me so much because I've, you know, for much of my journey, I've been really hard on myself and I've really, really hurt myself badly inside and did, have not been the most self-welcoming. And so to have a practice ground to be able to practice welcoming someone for all sides of themselves is it's one of the routes that's been helpful to get me to where i am today mm -hmm. so a service it, it's a win-win scenario mm -hmm. you think in some ways you were getting a chance to give lyric a lot of what you didn't get yeah very much very much i think that's I think it was an opportunity for me to heal a lot of those aspects in myself that I felt mm. were there was a gaping hole. Certain things I didn't receive as a child, uh, again, not personal, my curriculum. Like it's not personal. I made it very personal for many years. Yeah. You made it, per what do you mean by Against that? Uh, my primary caregivers. There was like some resentment I had. There I was see. some anger I had. There was some blame I had. There was all these things that I had and I made it very personal, not personal. Uh, we're all human and we're all going through it. And to raise kids at a very young age, I would have not done a great job at that. Yeah. Um, and my parents did an incredible job. Um, but they they had their things they were working through. And so there was some- Like all parents. Like all parents. So there was some blind spots. And, and part of my curriculum has been building those things up. And, you know, I feel like Lyric was, was one way that I, I was able to really- actually have something outside of me where I could, I could put that into. But secondly, I was actually thinking about this when I was 29 and or like almost 30, I felt like really depressed and I felt really low. And I felt like I had this inner turmoil. Like I was at war. Was like, that when you went to India? This was before. Okay. This is when I went to Joshua tree and I fasted mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I went to go be in silence by myself and I, I ate apples and dates. And I just went out there with a tent and Nature will give us the best lessons if we listen, if we're like looking for them. And I put up my tent and you know, our journey is inextricably linked. So I know that you went- Because I did Joshua You Tree went after. Right after you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I know that there's a story about my tent and it might be your story, but I think it's my story, but it's a perfect <laughs> metaphor for this process. So I got to Joshua Tree late. I put up my tent and thought everything was great. On the outside, the tent looked perfect. I go to sleep. I wake up, the tent has imploded on itself. 
So for whatever reason, the structure wasn't in place. So my journey through my life, that structure wasn't in place for big self, Travis. And I've been building that structure for the last 15 years. And that's been a part of my journey. And Lyric has been an essential element of my story in that rebuilding process. Mm. Mm. And you keep referencing your curriculum. I, I think that's such a cool way to put it. it, it what, what, what is that term for you and, and, and what does it mean? It, it seems like it's what you, you've kind of almost like a state of the union for yourself. Yeah. My brother says it. Okay. And my brother's the smartest guy in the world and I just uh, love him so much. And so there's a really cool synergy we have. Um, but I think maybe karma, like certain people have their karma. Um, we each have our allotment in life. There's certain challenges that we're presented with. Yours are different than mine. Yours are different than mine. That they're supposed to be. You know, mine has been truly around intimacy, vulnerability, safety, security, and like building up a sense of identity and self. It's been a big part of my journey. And I'm sure other people can probably relate to mine as they could probably relate to yours mm -hmm. as well. But I say that because that's been my mission. I, have, I haven't known that's always been my mission, but it's been my mission to build this inner structure that can hold itself up yeah. to where I actually feel uh, like I can welcome myself, all sides of myself, even the sides I don't prefer, you know? And I think, so curriculum, it's, yeah. it's what I'm working like on. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like your, it's like if you believe in God or a higher power or the universe or whatever you believe in, it's like that was given to you your curriculum that you're going to um, have to navigate and study over the course of your life. Like it's the, set of, the set of circumstances, yeah. your lessons. So that means that your tribulations and trials and traumas are your teachers yeah. in some yeah. ways. I like, I like mm -hmm. the idea of a curriculum. We, yeah. always, we oftentimes think about it as like these things are our teachers. And so teachers give curriculum. That makes a lot of sense. And how has all this that affected your relationships with women? Do you feel like that's where it showed up? Uh, you know, the the those lessons that you needed to learn, or was it more your career? All of it. You know, you call in wherever there that, that that gaping wound is, like that's that's where your pain body is affected the most there. And so I called in a lot of lessons into my life to help me understand what that was, and mm -hmm. I, that's unconscious. Um, but I feel like intimately in my in my relationships with women, I've invited women into my tent and it's imploded on itself. Mm -hmm. And so my journey has, the women that I've been blessed to have loved me and to have loved have been my greatest teachers. Wow. And it's, it's been, um, you know, it's cost me a lot because I've hurt them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jamie's been a big inspiration for me because he's always owned his mistakes. Always. Jamie's been, I remember his 50th birthday. You had this great speech about how you're not going to hold on to this stuff anymore and you've worked through it, you've made amends, and you are going to move forward into this new decade with, with uh, this, this newfound inner peace. Mm. And so for me, I think a lot of my intimate relationships have uh, been fertile ground for me to make a lot of mistakes, mm. unfortunately, um, while also having tremendous amounts of love. So it's not this like dark story. Mm -hmm. There was love. Like mm. love was leading and guiding it. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's been a process. It's been a journey for me. You're listening to the Mad Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. I would love 
if you're open to it, because you have three men right now on this podcast called Man Enough. One of the things I think that it would be awesome to explore on this show is male friendship mm-hmm. and what that's like. And I don't know, are there questions that a woman has about very, very close male friendships mm-hmm. and maybe challenges that have come up in our friendships? I mean, we had something come up and I don't know if you want to talk about this, but we had something come up where over the course of our 20 year friendship, <laughs> there's been a lot of times where uh, Travis has been like, hey man, um, you did this thing and it made me feel this way. And I'd be like, oh man, I'm so sorry. And then it would come up again. There was one point when we were 22 years old and he broke up with me. Oh. He wrote me a letter and you he had broke a up break with up. me. We had a breakup. I wrote him an email about all the things I didn't like about him. And what were the, th- <laughs> give us the list. Oh yeah, wait, it wasn't a letter, it was an email. But I'm it just was saying, an email. Like, so, but, so there's, and, and it's a two way street. <laughs> she and wants the I'm list. I'm like, what? Look, 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 Because I didn't know men but, had friend breakups too. Hold on, but what um, I, but, but what I want to get to, what I want to get to is, um, here we are, these these men who are very, 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 very close friends that know so much about each other. Mm-hmm. And we've been through a lot together. And in many ways, our friendships are like a marriage. Like, I think for me, I don't think of our friendship and like, oh, one day we're going to divorce or break up. I work on it. We're not going to have kids either, right? I don't think so. <laughs> I approach our friendship the way that I would approach a marriage, which is like, I value you enough to want to work on it. Yeah. So when you come to me and you're like, hey, man, I'm feeling this thing. I don't rub. I don't like, ah, dude, I don't have time for this. It's like, no, like, okay, let's dig in. Mm-hmm. Let's go deep. And that's something that I don't know if I see that often. So I just bring this up because here you are as a woman. There's so many people listening. We're very close friends. We've had our fights. We've had our arguments. Yeah. I mean, we I can talk about anything like that. I've even the, recently I, I brought something up to Justin where I, there was a moment where I wasn't expressing myself candidly and I felt like I was holding back from being myself around him. And it bugged me. Like, why am I not fully expressing myself? And I happened to have my therapy session the next day. And so I started off my therapy session saying, like, let's talk about this. I want to break this down because I care about this relationship and I, I want to be my most authentic self. So something's in the way. And so we dedicated about 20 minutes to like break this down. And it was a very enlightening conversation. And I really appreciated the reflections I got back and feel like I learned a lot. And then I reached out to Justin. And I was like, hey, can I send you my therapy session? I was like, it's like 16. True story. It's like 16 minutes long. It was, but actually, it was 20 minutes long. It was 18 minutes. But I was, <laughs> but I was like, it'll give, you, it'll give you a real glimpse into understanding me. And one of my main goals is like, I just want to apprentice people on how to love me. And I want to be apprenticed on how to love you. And this is, it was such a, it was just an ask. So he sent me, so I said, yeah, I I would say we can talk about it or you can send it to me, whatever you're comfortable with. And he sent me the first 20 minutes of his therapy session. About you? About me. About our friendship. Yeah, It was really about me and the things that had got intertwined into our dynamic that weren't necessary. So again, this this tent metaphor, without having a structure in my life where I felt like I was like fully myself, I leaned on men around me and I leaned hard and they were in, in source of inspiration in a lot of ways. And there was also a source of admiration. And then you bring in, you know, these these men are very elevated and righteous men and men of God and you bring in religion to it. And so there are all these things kind of like, get tangled 
And there was some psychological knots that I had around our dynamic that had like accumulated what? over time. What, what, what was the thing? So I went through, when I was 16, 15, I started drinking and I started smoking pot. I'm a very sensitive guy in general. And some of the um, behavior that I, I, I took on as a child based upon you know how I was raised, I, it imprinted very deeply on me. Um, and when I started to drink and smoke pot, I feel like I imprinted that even deeper on me because I stopped like really being true to myself. Okay. So at 27 or 29, I got sober for four years. And I was around a lot of people that uh, we were, were we were together the night you made that choice. Wow! And I made that choice one night, and it was in Mammoth. Mammoth, yeah. And I was around a community where everyone was like, "We don't do this stuff. And we have so much fun." Like, and so I'm like, "What? What do you mean?" <laughs> and so I started to think about it, and I made that decision. And I remember, I mean, I made it that night, New Year's night. I yeah. woke up the next morning and thought, "No, I don't have like what's that stupid? Why am I going to stop doing that?" And I'm like, "Whoa." That's some real resistance. I'm committing to this. Started off as 30 days, went to six months, went to a year, went to two years. After two years, he's like, why are you still counting? And then it just it naturally, it changed. And mm -hmm. af after about three and a half to four years, I was like, wow, I feel like I actually want a, I want a beer. I just finished building a school in Haiti with my best friend, Skylar. And it was this moment of celebration. And I'm like, I'm going to have a beer. And Skylar looked at me. He's like, I'm not being a part of this. He's like, he didn't know. Like, <laughs> sure. Because he, yeah, he, he didn't know if you were sober yeah. because yeah, of, it's hard of, for of other alcoholism people to, or yes. for a choice. Yeah. And sure. so he didn't know. And, and you know, in the beginning, I didn't know if I had a problem. Yeah. I actually went to AA and it, it was a lane that so much amazing things happen in those rooms. I didn't find myself compelled right. to stay. I don't think I was an addict. I think I just got wrapped up into some behavior as a young kid. Yeah. And I hadn't experienced my life without it since I was 15. And I was 27. I'm like, wait, that's a lot of years. And your brain is developing and yeah. And so I wanted some space to rearrange my relationship to alcohol and to drugging. And I took it. And the first part of it was really hard because I had nowhere to go. And I was really sensitive and really vulnerable and around a lot of people that were really inspiring and really talented. And I remember being on a rooftop at... I was eventually became our place, but you're in Andy's place. There's a bunch yeah. of musicians and poets and there's a fire and the Hollywood Hills are behind. And there are all these like amazing people are like coming up and singing and serenading and poeming. And I'm just like, I suck. I don't have this. I'm a loser. <laughs> like I have blah, 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 blah. And I remember I got up and I left and I, I went home and I went to my bedroom and I literally cried. I don't know how long I cried for, but it was in that moment I said, I, I need help. You never told me that. I story. need help. I can't do this on my own. Wow. And it was that moment where I'm like, okay, I committed. I doubled down to like finding my way through this. And then, then that was the process of over the course of three and a half to four years, when I started to have a drink again, I didn't, I wanted nothing to do with being drunk. I wanted, like, it was just, it didn't feel good. And I started to rearrange my relationship to alcohol and to drugs. And I started to smoke a little bit of pot again. And it was like, I felt like in part of me was like, I don't know about this, but I kept wanting to do it. Over the course of that time, I was very judgmental of others that drank and smoked because yeah. I was able to take three and a half years off. Mm -hmm. And I was had this weird judgment around people. People yeah. can have a healthy relationship to alcohol. Exactly. People can have yeah. a very healthy relationship to these things. And I didn't believe that. And so over the course of however many years, I, I had to like unwind that 
where I'm at now with it is like I tell Justin this, like part of what the messaging was in the email was I was explaining, uh, I, was, I, went, I went to Burning Man for the first time. In the email or the, uh, sorry, the therapy? Sorry, in, in the therapy session. You're, you're confusing when you broke up with me to the therapy session. Yeah, yeah. then okay. I just didn't know how to communicate uh, uncomfortable situations mm. and experiences and didn't know how to hold space for, we were 20 for you. 21 years old. But anyway, so, so part of it was me holding back on expressing myself about what I was interested in doing at Burning Man. And I hated the fact that I was like not wanting to say, I was like, oh, I, I want to do a microdose of mushrooms. Uh, when it's a full moon, cool. I might have a couple al uh, alcoholic beverages, cool. 96% sober. I am like, compared to the rest of the world, I am a saint. I am a absolute saint. Compared to my friends, <laughs> I'm like a dirty mm. piece of garbage. Oh and so, no, 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 no. I'm saying, so in my in head, your mind, in, your mind, yeah. in oh, my in mind, mind, I held back from expressing myself freely. And that, that was a betrayal a self-betrayal. And I'm working a lot about that phrase, self-betrayal. How often do we betray ourselves? And I don't want to do that anymore. When I do, ooh, it stands out. I feel it. So I have, I have, my compass is in a really good place where I trust it and I believe it. And so when I'm out of line, I feel it. Mm. And so part of the discussion was we've been friends for a long time. And part of my journey started where we would like, Part of my journey, I would black out, get blackout drunk was, with this guy. I've, I've he, never been drunk, so so he would always hold space for yeah. for us goons, but never in a way that was like you shouldn't drink ever. I mean, I would, you know, I've <laughs> I've seen you at your oh at boy, your lowest, and we've had so much fun in the process, but it's never been a there's never been a judgment there okay. from my side. It's been a personal, ref right. uh, Like I've always thought that there you was projected it, of course. Yes. Right. And so for me, there was a lot that's been linked in to building my own inner structure. And when it wasn't there, leaning on friends, thinking that their way of life is the way and that I have to be like that, mm -hmm. as opposed to, oh, I'm gonna be me and I'm gonna be happily be me. So there was, there was, some, there was some residue that was left there. And it, it kind of like contracted my freedom around one of my best friends of 20 years. And that was a problem. And so I, I had a conversation with my therapist about it. And, and that was one of the, the topics. And I'm, I'm sure some other things had come up, but it was like, that was, the, that was it. And I think it's after sending it and you listening, we had like a couple exchanges via text. It wasn't as satisfying and nourishing as a real conversation. I think that's the way to go, mm. for sure. Well, I sent you a very long voice note in response. Yeah, we sent voice notes. Yeah. But to me, it wasn't as nourishing or as connecting as a conversation, but it was a way in. So anyways, that happened mm -hmm. and we're probably closer for it. So, and all that to say, like, I think, I think in your therapy session, what I responded to was how you did a really beautiful job of making sure and you kept saying over and over again, I don't know if you were gonna, you knew you were gonna send it to me, but you kept saying like, he's never made me feel bad for drinking or he's never done this, this is me and I'm struggling with this and I wanna feel closer to my friend. And yet this is, this is my stuff. And you kept going back to saying it was your stuff. And I told you, I really appreciated that um, because mm -hmm. that's been it. That's been mm -hmm. a huge part of our friendship is making sure that like, I'm like, hey, listen, the way that I live is not for everybody, it's for me. But like, I love you regardless. I mean, I let the, the, you do, you do you. Now that said, I'm not gonna let you drink and drive. 
But aside from that, like, I'm not going to let you actually harm yourself as when you're best friends, but enjoy your life. I think the main thing is wanting to maintain a closeness and making that happen at all costs. And if there isn't one, well, how do we remove whatever's in the way of that? So to me, it was genuinely just a, a, a testament to how good of friends we are and how much I care about you. And you're like, it kind of strokes my ego a little bit that you had a therapy session about me. <laughs> That's and what I said. I was like, oh, I feel like, <laughs> wow. I didn't feel like I was enough to be in your therapy no. session. But no, I felt so I felt so honored that you took the time to talk about how much you love one of your best friends and you want to feel closer to him. And anytime another man is doing that, I just find that so beautiful. Yeah. And it was a testament to his character and how deep he wants to be and go in his life and in his friendships. And, and, um, and it's one of the reasons why I love you so much. I just think you're, you're such a beautiful human and you have so much depth and so much to give. And that's why we're so close. And not every man's going to want to send their, his therapy session to another man. Most <laughs> men won't even go to therapy. Yeah. This is another This is another level, if you will, an example. But anytime we can, on this show, show an example of like, okay, what's an example of this in action? I think that's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Now, you could have just called me also, right? Another man might have just said, hey, can we have a chat? Can we talk about this? And. Yeah. Maybe for another man out there, he's feeling some way about his friend and they want to go have a drink and watch the game and say, hey, you know, I was I felt this thing. I don't care how you do it. Mm-hmm. But I think the goal is that as men, we don't keep the shit in. Mm-hmm. We got to learn how to let it out. Yeah. Because when we keep it in, that's where we get resentment and we harbor these feelings. Or we end friendships. Like, I feel like I'm so bad at talking about my friendships. I talk about it in therapy, but I'm very bad at uh, bringing up conflict in a way that I think if I was in a relationship mm. romantically uh, or when I am in a relationship romantically, I'll bring it up because it's like, oh, we have this issue. But with friends, there's this like feeling that it should be fun and easy. And that if you're upset about something, it feels like you're being too intense or something. So I feel like I've ended friendships instead of doing the thing of just um, mm. sending you the therapy session. But this pivots into something I really wanted to bring up uh, and a question that I have for Travis and Ooh, all of please. you. Yeah. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? We're going to start with Travis. <laughs> um, I think about it Kind of regularly, actually. I looked. I looked through this this um, uh, book of history of maps, and I always think about these different powers, uh, these different dynasties and kingdoms that have come and risen and fallen. And we're in a place now where, what's happening? Did I just fall into a no, trap? Please no, please keep going. No, I love no. it. Please keep going. That would have been my answer. Please, or not even that. But. No, please keep going. This is amazing. That's all I know. You didn't fall into anything. You're no. enough. Keep going. This no, is no, just no. a trend that we're, like women are. <laughs> no. I just learned keep... about this before the show, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, keep keep talking. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not alone. Is you're, what not you're, alone. you're not alone. Well, listen, I'm I just think very... he pretty much did it. Is that when he thinks of the Roman Empire, he thinks of those things. I don't think about the Roman Empire anyway, ever. But oh, if I were to, I think I also would think about of the same thing you just I, said. I think about bloodshed and conquest for power. And I think about those things too. I no. think about this quest that mankind has to dominate and to like claim things for themselves. And in order to do that, they decimate other people. So when I think about you know the Roman kingdom, I think about that. But that's not just the, that kingdom. It's it's kingdoms throughout history. Can, so, I, ask, can, I, can I ask a question? Empire. What, what is, so what is the what is this Roman Empire? Yeah, I'm thing? confused okay. too. I feel really weird. <laughs> no. Travis, you're you're no, on the you same didn't. side that we were on, or I was on. Someone said, "What do you think of the Roman I Empire?" Asked she asked me. I, I was haven't like, really what do you asked mean? the question yet. But well, I, how I, often do you think about the Roman Empire? I don't think about it that often. 
So when's what, the last time you thought about it? When you asked me the question. Been before that. Because some guys are like not that often, and then and then the and then the girlfriend is like, okay, like how often? She, he's like monthly, and we're like, that's a lot. That's a lot of times to think about. the I Roman mean, Empire. so so if I think about the Roman Empire, if mm-hmm. I were to think yeah, okay. about it, it would it would only have to do with this work that we're doing here and masculinity in some way. And I don't know. It's not like a thing where I can be like, oh, I th- I thought about it last Tuesday, or okay. I think about it, you know. How does it relate to our podcast? I think about it as it relates to masculinity and I th- and what so many men think makes a man. Okay, okay. So that's what, so like, you know, I, I feel like you hear oftentimes like um, the gladiators did this or what led to the fall of the Roman Empire, right? You hear, you've, you've heard people say like, it, they went soft or the weakness and and how that correlates with men losing their testosterone today or things like that. So that's where my mind goes when I, if I have thought about the Roman Empire, can, that has to do with that. Can I ask a question? Maybe it's... But what is the I'm, actual I'm thing? What is, okay. Why what is do the... we care <laughs> what is about that? being I, asked a question about the Roman Empire? I just want to know what, 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 what is this, what is, what is this, thing? what does this reveal so about angry. us? No, no, it's not it reveals No, something. no, you did look angry when you said no, that. No, no, I'm confused. No, no. Jamie's angry Forget. about the Roman Empire. <laughs> well, Why is this a trend reveals, on TikTok? Why do you think, what do you think it reveals about oh, you? Oh, this is on TikTok. There's a trend on TikTok. some trend. Okay, I'll just tell you and then you can analyze it, all right? So there's a comedian. It started with a comedian on stage telling, you know, a crowd saying, you know, to, to women, you have no idea how often your husband thinks about the Roman Empire. You should ask him. And so a woman on TikTok decided to ask her husband, how often you think about the Roman Empire? And and he had a very similar response to Travis, which is like, all the time. And then going into an, an amazing, you know, just litany of uh, times and uh, concepts and terminology from the Roman Empire. And so then it prompted women to do it to the men in their lives or text them, you know, friends, boyfriends, brothers, dads. And so it's become this kind of trend of why are why so are so thinking? many men thinking about the Roman Empire, which is, it's, I think, a really interesting maybe question for Maybe us. it's in our consciousness in them because we think that our culture and civilization is about to collapse. Maybe. Maybe that men are like, oh, are we at the, are we, are but we? But why aren't women, I think about that too, and I'm but, not thinking about the Roman Empire. Go ahead, yeah, so then. And, and, and then the counter trend, right, the, the trend that went off the trend was what is women's Roman Empire, right? Like what is the thing Ooh, that women that? think about all the time that men don't realize we think about? And one uh, particular woman, the reason why all Don't say Kardashians. Here, no. Oh, okay. That's so sexist. Sorry. Travis. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> You didn't do anything wrong. But I feel like I did. No, no. by your tone. <laughs> no, because I know that's your core wound, so I don't want you to feel bad about it. But Thank you. no, not wow. the Kardashians. Look at this evolved conversation yeah, here. I love her. Yeah, that's because we're single. We've done a lot of work on ourselves. Um, so I don't think you're superior because you're married. Um, oh my god! <laughs> I'm letting it all out. I'm letting oh it all god. out. Wait, what's the answer? What is? What okay, is? So there are a few, but one of them, this guy comes into his girlfriend is on on the couch, and he goes how often do you think about your ex-best friend and she goes she like turns to him like and that uh, is a core i think thing for a lot of women because so the ex-best friend the is ex-best the friend, roman empire it's our roman empire like the okay. friend that you were so close that to you had and to you no one? longer talk yeah. to you, yes what about, all the what women what about are you? Nodding. do you think about your ex-best friend okay all the women on the crew thought about their ex-best friend while you guys were talking it's fascinating when there's something in the stream of consciousness for a gender i think it's fascinating <laughs> that all of the women in this room think about their ex-best friend 
which I have, I never, I don't even. The know. rise and fall of friendships the rise instead and fall of the rise of and fall of empires. Travis, how do you, a question, how are you feeling right now knowing that this whole episode about you and your amazingness has now turned into the Roman Empire? I'm sweating a little bit. <laughs> but okay, w w uh, have you ever talked about the Roman Empire with any, with, with another man? In or, my whole yeah. life? Yeah, like. Pro probably. Yeah. I mean, I would it say it's up. not a regular conversation, but I probably have talked about that with my dad once or my brother, maybe. Okay. Or, or like we're, we're also up. history buffs, so we like really enjoy that stuff. Travis yeah. also did a movie called Meet the Spartans, which was a spoof of 300. Okay. Which was a very funny spoof of 300 um, that I encourage everyone to watch. It's, it's <laughs> uh, you know, a, a lot of men filled with just lots of baby oil and painted on abs. It's a really Except exciting watch. Mine were real. Mm. Mine his were real. Thank you so much, Liz, for taking us uh, on this TikTok challenge. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Thank you for being I, game to be. I learned a lot, actually. I'm I'm going to ask my wife if she ever thinks about her. Ex-best friend. Ex Record it. I will. How often do you think I'll about your ex-best friend? And I'm so sorry on behalf of women. Why? Of what I just learned. That if men, honestly... Think about the Roman Empire, Roman Empire all the time. I think your answer, your revised answer, is probably more accurate. I imagine, like, yeah, you've talked about it a couple times in your life. That I accept. But, like, if that's really on the minds of men, which it's never been on mine, and if that's what women are faced with, <laughs> men who are thinking about that to that degree, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, it's changed. Usually it's like men think about sex every three seconds or something. Now men think about the, the Roman, Roman Empire, Empire every, every three, three seconds. seconds. Yeah. Well, stoicism. Stoicism has come back into the picture quite a bit recently. There's a lot of talk about stoicism, mm -hmm. um, which I also think is misunderstood. But which is very misunderstood, yeah. and it is deeply it's spiritual. Yeah. it's been deep. It's, it is a deeply spiritual practice, um, which many religions can find their roots in. And of course, anyways. Right. All right, you're listening to the Man Enough podcast. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Man Enough podcast. Do you mind sharing something? What's appropriate? So you are one that would like to be married one day and have your partner and have children. Um, and that hasn't happened as of yet. Have you learned something along the way um, in different scenarios that have allowed you to have a different perspective of now what you might look for, how you may behave, um, how to build a relationship and water it? Have you changed some of the ingredients of what that looks like? Um, how does that look different? for you it's changed a lot and it came through a lot of pain you know this last relationship i went through ended and i was on my knees uh, on the ground in a the fetal position in a puddle for many months and you know we've spoken you know you guys have held me through these moments it came a time to begin really changing the paradigm but only feeling that amount of pain could bring that desire for change to never make those mistakes that I made again. So, you know, we're all given some form of model of love. And it's taken me a while to, you know, take those things that didn't work for me, disintegrate the model and rebuild a new one. This last year and a half has been really significant in me recognizing, number one, it starts with me, how I was treating myself. I was, I was like mutilating myself. I was not having a lot of, of grace mm. in any way. And I kept, I always made the reference that I had this spear and I just like, just, just hurt myself. It's like so much shame. I did something wrong. All my, my story, my wound would just make me this big problem. And I remember retiring that spear 
part of how I've started treating myself is, is what's been transforming the most. And if, if I don't know how to hold my own pain, I'm sure as hell going to not know how to hold someone else's. You know, I think in my journey, I've made a lot of people wrong. The wrong partner. That's why I haven't, you know, yeah. been married. It's, 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 it's not the right time. And, you know, I think I haven't been the right partner. And mm. so I haven't been right, the right partner for myself. Mm. And like, that's been my journey. So get right with me. And I'm, I'm operating from a different place than I was a year and a half ago. And the way that I'm treating myself is, is, is it's going to be how I treat other women, especially when in my intimate relationships, that's where, that's where the mirror is the strongest. Yeah. And so I'm, I've, uh, yeah, I'm learning to truly trust myself and it's a process and that process takes time. And yeah, I'm 40 and I'm single and I don't shame that. I'm totally cool being that. And just because I'm not married doesn't mean I haven't experienced the same amount of depth and love that marriages mm -hmm. have. So for me, I'm not, I, don't, I don't look at it like I'm a mistake or like, oh, I must have done something wrong. And part of my journey through being friends with very powerful men that have, have great relationships and have been fathers is it's very easy for me to go, hmm. I want that in my life, but I don't have that. They have that. Therefore, I'm going to put them on a pedestal mm -hmm. and create this hierarchy of power and hold myself down because that's the lane that I've always put myself in based upon my past conditioning. And I had this like existential kink to want to keep like playing that mm. note. Existential like, kink. I love that. <laughs> someone brought that term into my, my yeah. world um, not too long ago. And it's this interesting path that we create that's an unhealthy behavior, unhealthy lane yet we're like well it's familiar like, yeah, yeah. It's, let's just keep going down that lane even mm -hmm. though i'm like that's not what i want to do i love the way you articulate yeah your journey it's 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 more elevated than it used to be not that you were elementary you uh, call me a piece of shit <laughs> no man I, I what i'm saying is you can see your work the work you can just see yeah. it in the way that you articulate yourself and 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 i think part of it is comes to mind is um, you ask a lot of questions. You humble yourself with your friends and on all the different aspects of your walk and like how you can show it better. Even when it comes to race, you've, uh, the way you've always done this, you'll call me, hey, Jamie, you haven't in more recent times, but there was a, a good period of time where you'd call me like, look, I don't want to burden you. It's not yours to carry. But I'm dealing with an observation and I want to be on the right side. I, I, but I have some learning to do and some of this. What do you think about this? And you've always presented it with humility, but also a posture of learning because you want to be better. Mm -hmm. And it shows in a lot, of, a lot of ways. Here's what I'm also not concerned, what I'm looking forward to, is you've done so much work, continue to do so much work. It's like someone who's been in school to get so much knowledge so that they can finally build a house. That you feel comfortable and enough that the work you've done is enough and worthy to build the house and start putting brick by brick, and it won't be perfect. My marriage is far from perfect, but I built the house and then I keep going back and then I shave some of the sides to make it you know, more smooth. That we never arrive um, and that you give yourself permission, maybe you have, so this is not an assessment on you, um, but that you know that you, whenever that time is, that you can build that house and be imperfect and some things that are perfect, that you've done so the work. You're a great contractor. 
You're a great contractor. You know, I did go to India a while ago and I did silence and I, I, 10 days of it. And I came back from that trip and I, I my, like a, a thing that resonated with me is I am a forever student. My journey so far through all of my, my thirties and my relationships, I have yet to feel um, safe enough within my own self to get married, to start a family, like to bring a soul into the world. That is the biggest decision ever. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's not been this place in me that's like, I'm, I'm ready to do that. There hasn't been this thing in me that's like, I'm ready to get married. There just hasn't, that, that has not come up in me. And, you know, maybe one day it will, maybe, maybe marriage isn't even the thing that I'm, maybe it's not, I don't know. Yeah. But my thirties, I'm very glad they're over. <laughs> and, you know, Carl Jung talks about everything before your thirties is just a dress rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that's what that's, that's been true. So hello forties. And thank you for those nice compliments. Yeah. And sometimes also marriage is, is yes, we're driven to want to mate and all those things, but also marriage might not be the ultimate goal for, for, for us as a species either. Right. And I think that when you are, again, I love the point that you made about you're single now, but you've been, that doesn't mean that you haven't been in many loving relationships and people who are married now, it doesn't mean that they're going to be married forever. I believe the both of you will probably be married forever because I've met your wives and, uh, I think that you have a really beautiful partnership, but you also never know the, like, maybe this won't happen for me thing. I've recently really released that in the last few months um, around children and around uh, even marriage. And it's not a thing where I'm like, maybe it's never going to happen for me. Like, it's more like, maybe it will never happen for me maybe something better is going to happen instead, or maybe something different is going to happen instead that I can't even imagine yet. And how exciting is that, right? That mm. like, you know, it, it's like saying the same thing, but saying it in a different mm -hmm. intonation instead of using it to scare yourself, using it to like excite yourself yeah. and, and, and empower yourself. yourself. Yes. Empower yourself to be like, wow, how cool is it that I, I don't know what's going to happen next. There's something to that though, I think energetically by doing that, I believe you are actually taking your body out of fight or flight. Yes. And then you are relaxing and opening yourselves up to it actually potentially happening. Mm -hmm. Like how many times have we heard that the second that a couple stops trying to have a baby, they yeah, have a baby. Right. So I love that idea because you're yeah. just reminding yourself that you're enough and that you're okay. Mm -hmm. And that like, there's a plan. Yeah. And then boom, your body relaxes. Mm -hmm. It's not when you, if you do go on a date or you do meet somebody, you're, it's not, you're not like the interview. Yeah. It's not the awkward. It's like, ah, it could them. be fun. It could be this. And then yeah. boom, before you know it, yeah. you know, you're yeah. asking Jamie and I to, uh, to do the podcast live from your wedding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's difficult for me because I, I would love that. Yeah. I we'll do a play by play. Yeah. Okay. Done. Here she comes. She's walking down the aisle. Do you think she feels enough? I think she feels enough. <laughs> Karen, Karen is back. Hi, Karen. I, I have so she actually came up when you started talking about like cortisol and she, she, oh. she's really she interesting. She wants to come and to her. She wants to come to Uncle Justin. Hey, baby. Girl. I have to be, um, I won't. I'm gonna refrain mm -hmm. from sh from responding. You can respond. I I know I know you probably disagree. With no, no, I'm not disagree. But I should because I'll probably not be very popular at the end of it. <sighs> Say it. 
You think, Mar- you think, what do you I think? I think this. Okay. Let me take personal yes. people Go. out of it. Someone that I love dearly. Someone that I love dearly. Yes. As a general rule, 100%, I believe, marriage is a fortress for well-being. That doesn't mean everybody will be married and that they're less than. That means committing oneself to another that mirrors your um, wonder and some of the things you struggle with. That you learn how to stay loyal to something that you wouldn't otherwise maybe have to. For my belief that you have a spiritual component that also enters the relationship through that kind of commitment. So even though I may have not been married, let's say to Natasha or, um, and I should feel good with who I am and that may not be my path, doesn't mean that then I lower the bar of what I think is best for humanity. And I say that gingerly and gently. Mm-hmm. And when we have children, we have seen statistically that children's children thrive differently when there is a couple that's doing it together. It's a different type of thing. Even if it's just one single mother or a single father that has to carry the wonderful burden of raising a child, when you have two that can share that burden, you have more patience, you have help. The parent, the child gets to witness collaboration, gets to see compromise. Ideally, ideally. Ideally, if it doesn't happen, that doesn't mean the child is, you know, in fact, some of the best people I know in the world are raised by a single mother that are far superior than ones that I know. A lot of presidents, actually. It's not a judgment. Um, just because we succeed in one way doesn't mean that there's not a one way that uh, but I don't think the, proves more uh, fruitful okay. generally. But I don't think the reason why there's a lot of single female headed households is because they don't want it is because they don't value marriage. Agreed. Right. That's like, my point. That's right. ex- you're, you're okay. ma- that makes my point. They could value marriage. They could value relationships. No, but, but it, I think they I think a lot of them did or, or, or do. It's just that you're equivocating like the rise in single headed households or not the rise but the the prominence of it with like this disinterest in marriage and no. i don't think that that i'm not saying it's it. disinterested. i don't I'm think just that's talking. what well, i think no. that's that's how not people might interpret it but okay i'm just uh, saying maybe i'm being overly um, no, no no it's good I, um but ultimately just to wrap my you're saying up. if you're gonna go on a road trip around the country there's a certain vehicle that will get you there in in the best way so going through life going through this journey of life this long road trip of life mm-hmm. There's a safety in going through it together in marriage, in matrimony with someone that'll mm-hmm. get, bring you the most growth, the most foundation of security. That'll bring you the, the biggest chance to understand yourself. That doesn't mean that people that don't have that vehicle will not find their way as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's many paths to get to your destination. Um, people don't have to have God in their life and, and they'll get to the promised land just as much as someone who does. But I do think when you have God in your life- Sometimes even more. Um, it, it Even more. It's not a judgment of how you get there, but oftentimes it protects, it gives you a shield and a protection and something to focus on that helps you through that path in that particular way. So that, so my ultimate point to say is that marriage, while I hear it, it may not be yours or uh, in parenthood, you never know what happens with people. Um, by the way, should you ever, should a child ever be so fortunate to have you as a father, you will be a fucking kick-ass father. Yeah, he will. If that ever happens for you and that, you choose that. That just... will happen. I Look, I, let me be mm-hmm. clear. Like I want, I want an incredible relationship. You will and be a kick-ass fucking father. A kick-ass. I see how the commitment you give 
to your just your dogs, the care, the love, what you do, your sacrifice, the commitment to you give to our children, how you show up as Uncle Travis, how you show up for Lyric and the world, how you sacrifice that, you're gonna be a fucking kick-ass father. Whether it's your biological one, an adopted one, or as an uncle. I mean, so. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I would be sad for the for the world if they didn't get to experience your There father. is a very deep part of me that knows that is gonna be my greatest joy in life. I Thanks. just wanna say, I agree with the sentiment of what Jamie was saying, and I completely understand what you were saying too. Agreed, yeah. Um, I think that, first of all, I'm a huge advocate and proponent of marriage. I think it's amazing. I think it's an amazing vehicle for personal growth. I think it's it's deeply spiritual um, if you if one allows it to be. And I and I cannot imagine life without it. And that said, I completely understand and empathize with the situation that so many people are in today, which is that to find that person is very hard. We have no patience for the time it takes to truly get to know somebody. And because there are so many options, we're not sticking around to see people through the storms. So for me, objectively, what I'm seeing two of you, two people that I love dearly do, and I would tell you this personally, whether we weren't on the podcast or not, is that in some ways there's a little bit of a mind game you're playing with yourself, in my opinion, which is like, I'm telling myself that I don't, it might not be for me. I'm gonna make myself feel excited that in the event that it's not for me so that I will be okay. And it's self-soothing and yet it's okay if you want it. That's all I wanna say. It's okay if you wanna have, as an example, I'm not saying you do, what Emily and I have um, or what Natasha and Jamie have or what, some, what somebody else has. It's also okay if you don't wanna have what your parents had, <laughs> which is a real thing. So however you get there, it doesn't fucking matter. If you want to like tell yourself it's whatever you tell so long as you're open, great. And if you decide it's not for you, that's also great because I'm not ever going to be somebody that's like, you should get married. Right. I will say the benefits are incredible when you find the person. And again, like you said, you don't know if you're going to stay married to the person. You hope half to God people you don't. will. More than half don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't. Yeah. Um, and yet at the same time, like, that's part of the journey. Mm -hmm. That's part of the ceremony, yeah. right? Yeah. That's part of, it's the choosing of the person. It's literally the choice you make every day to go to the gym and work out spiritually, emotionally, to choose the person. And and it's a process that I wouldn't trade for the world and that I hope everybody gets to experience. And yet yeah. that's just not reality. Anyways, right. all right. So, uh, all right, Travis. Tell uh, us five things, Travis, really quickly. Three things that bring you joy. Friends, nature, and uh, sports. Tell us three things that make you feel sad. Regret, uh, past regret. Um, life. Um, yeah, sometimes people. That's a good one. Okay, I have one. What's your favorite thing about men? And then what's your favorite thing about women? My favorite thing about men. Um, <laughs> uh, I think men are really uh, wonderful at um, resilience. There's like a resilience men have that I find it's just a really great quality. Um, and there is a tenderness and ability to hold so much space that women have that's so admirable. What do you think it means 
to be man enough? I think for me, it's just being available to the truth that that's man enough, whatever the truth is, whether it's what you prefer, what you don't prefer, what hurts you, what doesn't hurt you, like to be a part of reality. That's mm. Travis, we love that you've been on with us. It's really been sweet. I hope that you feel as one of our friends and who we love and adore and recognize that can contribute so much to this conversation to our listeners and to us, honestly. I hope you feel that you've um, brought something um, that you're proud of. I'm proud of you. I love Thanks, you. Jamie. Love you too, man. And uh, I, uh, you know, my main goal coming into this and just in life is just to be the most me. And so, you know, I think that's, you guys create a nice space for that to happen. So thank you. Indeed. Mm -hmm. um, before we wrap up, you know what? I would, there were, one, can you give me 30 seconds? Do you want me to time it? Tell me something that you love. Oh. Tell me something that you love about your father. About my dad? My dad is so, so gentle and he's so smart and he can solve anything. And he also cares so much. He's so thoughtful. My dad will go out of his way to make sure something is set up for you or to make sure like the kitchen is clean or to... My, my dad will go out of his way to make sure you have a great experience. And my dad shows up. His loyalty is unrivaled. Um, hmm. You seem to describe yourself in a lot of that mm. without knowing it. Yeah. Tricky, tricky. Say something you love yeah, about your so mom. Say something absolutely about your mom. Okay, great, 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 great. Hi, um, Sally. Sally. Hi, Sally. We Sweet. love your mom and dad. So my mom way. has made quilts for these guys when they have had kids. And oh. like, my mom is the most genuine person you'll ever meet. She is so kind. She is so, she just wants to connect in such deep ways. And she's so talented, but she doesn't know it. And she's always like thinking like, what's my purpose? Her purpose is like to literally, she spreads joy everywhere she goes. Mm. Um, and also she's just so creative and beautiful. And she's just got this youthful energy and she makes you feel so safe. Who, whoever you are, she could talk to you for five minutes and she will know more about you than I have learned in 15, however many years I've known you. My mom will get that in a conversation. Mm. Wow. So she's, she's, she's incredible. Wow. She is indeed. There's a whole thing about, just to come about my, my expertise, TikTok trends. Um, there's a whole TikTok trend about asking a man why he, like what he loves about his mom, like on a date tells you a lot. If he names things that she does for him, as opposed to like who she is as a person, that like mm -hmm. often men, again generalizing here, but like we will talk about our dads um, as their qualities, and then our moms at how they're like things they do for us. I think women do this too, by the way. Uh, and I love that you described things that your mom does for the world and for other people. Indeed, that's really sweet. Good, I I I passed. You passed. This was a great date. I really feel like this was a great date. This was a great date. We got to be very organic entry. It was like we got to know each other a bit. Yeah, group. It was a group date. It was a group hang. And we need you know let us know. We need to have a second date soon. So Travis, thanks so much for being with us. We'll hug later. Great. Thanks for having me, Justin. It's great to have you back as a guest host. Hopefully, you can continue on at another time. Liz, I adore and love you. Thank you for all you do and bring. If you like what you heard, you can listen to us on Spotify and Apple. You can visit us on YouTube. Manenough.com slash podcast is sure. our place. You can find us. And until the next time, um, I'm Jamie Heath. I'm Justin Baldoni. I'm Liz Plank. Who are you? And I'm Travis Van Winkle. <laughs>
<laughs> and this is Karen back here. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. This is Man, Man Enough. Enough. Please play Roman Gladiator music. Thank you for listening to the Man Enough podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter & Gamble in partnership with Cadence 13 and Odyssey Company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Malhotra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Anna Saufeld from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kayla Nicholson is our producer, Ashmi Elizabeth Dang is head of marketing, and Susie Landers O'Connell is our lead editor. Thanks for listening.